You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Once again, would you please welcome my, my mentor, spiritual father, Dave Gilmore. Oh, mercy sake. It's good to be with you this morning and worshiping together. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the second chapter of Acts as we are talking about the Pentecost Sunday, the, the Sunday that uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Let's pray. My father, uh, my mind is kind of going a lot of different directions here with Jason's announcement and yet the songs, how they've dovetailed together, the goodness of who you are. You don't fail. We do exalt you. And yet, as a people called by your name, living in a world that is lost and broken, we're impacted by it. We find ourselves having days that are, quite frankly, overwhelming, frustrating, difficult, painful, disappointing. And as Pastor Jason already referred to Romans 12 too, to, it's, it's, it's difficult not to be really sucked into the sewer of the world, but to really only let our mind be transformed by you. And so as we, as we open the word this morning, that's our heart. Speak to our heart. Let it move from our heart to our head that we might not just have it intellectually, but we might have it emotionally. We might embrace the entireness of, of this powerful message of the Pentecost that you poured out your spirit, and it's a helper to us. We need you as a helper. We struggle to ask for help. So I am grateful that you simply poured out the helper. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you've been in 24 days of prayer. That's great. I believe in prayer. Prayer is it, man. If you don't have prayer, then you probably don't have any faith. You simply have an intellectual knowledge. Because prayer is an outward pouring of a relationship with a father. For example, if I never chat with my wife and never interact with her, we probably don't have much relationship. However, if we spend time interacting, the relationship simply grows more intimate and more dear and deep. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is not a task that you check off. Oh dear, I didn't pray this morning. Probably won't get a parking space. We tend to think <laughs> like God is some sort of a Coke machine where prayer is the, the change we put into the machine in order to get out of God what we want. It's not. So, that is not the right way to lead into Acts chapter 2, but we're going to go there anyway. <laughs> I got the wrong glasses this morning. These are bifocals. This is going to be interesting. Which ones do I use? Okay, let's try the top ones. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at this sound, <clears throat> excuse me, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya. And these classes are freaking me out. Let's try this. Nope, that ain't gonna work. Um, yeah, let's. We're we're, getting, we're almost there. Okay, hang on with me. David, David, David. If all bonehead moves, too many glasses laying around the house. And well, that'd work too. This we have a bright one in the front. Where was I at? Let's see. Oh, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Uh, but brothers mockingly said, uh, they're filled with new wine. I guess that's the end of 13. Yes, it is. <laughs> Which is what I, exactly what I had told them to do. Here. Wow. In Jesus' name, I need some help here. The helper be poured. Now, let's go, to, let's go to chapter 1 here. Just turn the page back if you have a Bible. If not, just scroll because you find yourself, I got it, it's, it's, it's in my head for this one. We know, that, <laughs> we know that this one, because Jesus told them to wait. He said, don't go anywhere, I want you to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the empowerment. Wait for the Holy Spirit to empower you. And we see that in verse 4 and then 6, then we come to verse 8. And again, he's re repeating to them, don't go anywhere, just, just wait. Do you like waiting? Like, when you are at a grocery store, do you look for the longest line because you just enjoy to wait? You're like, I, I, oh, there, that one has 12 people. I'm getting in that line. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, why don't you do the self-checkout? There's like no line, but then, I don't know. I hate waiting. Even if it's a microwave and it says, you know, put it on medium for five minutes, I bet, I'm thinking, I bet if I do it for two minutes on high, it's just waiting Here's one of the things I think. Waiting, I think, is the hardest work you can do for the Lord. You know why? It requires faith. If the Lord says wait, it requires... What is faith? Faith is the essence of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. But what does that really mean? That that's, that's, comes out of Hebrews 11, verse 1, but... But what is it? And faith is this. Faith is hearing the word of God and being obedient to it. And so when God says, yeah, just wait, that's the hardest thing to do because we can look, we can see, we should do. We have this innate thing to just do. And yet he's saying, wait, and there's a really valid purpose for it. Now, I want to address two things this morning about this text for, for uh, the second chapter of Acts in, the, in regards to the Pentecost and the Spirit of God being poured out. The first one is really dealing with the issue of tongues. 
We've, we've gotten so confused on the issue of tongues. Because the Holy Spirit is poured out and they speak in a tongue. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time. I really want to spend more time on the second item, which is the Spirit of God as a helper to us. But I do feel it's important that we talk about tongues. And so jot this down. Um, you have 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which are all about spiritual gifts. And, and know, know this, there's a difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit, Right? Spiritual fruit is, y'all just talk to Kim afterwards. She's got it all worked out there. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And gifts are listed as we think of gifts more of the supernatural rather than the natural. Then there's natural gifts of faith and generosity, of administration, of service. Those are good gifts. We tend to, to lean and get excited about supernatural gifts such as speaking of tongues or healing or prophesying, words of knowledge, these kind of gifts, gifts that have a spiritual discernment, which personally I think spiritual discernment comes uh, with the understanding of the scripture and just, just the presence of God. I think there's this capacity to discern. However, I will tell you this, my wife has that gift and we can be in a room and with people and whatnot and, and we'll get in the car and go home. She goes, you should call so-and-so. I, they're, they're not doing well. And I'm like, really? They were smiling all night. She goes, nah, you better call them. She's absolutely right because she can discern this kind of thing. Now let's just talk briefly about tongues because tongues has been um, hmm, misrepresented. Here's one of the things. Here, this is, I'll capture this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, you with me? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, Satan can produce false ones. The fruit of the Holy Spirit he can't. The measurement of maturity in a person is not the gifts. The measurement is the fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, it starts verse 15. He says, how, the disciples, how are we going to know them? He's, Jesus is saying, you're going to know them by their fruit. All the way to the verse 21 where he's saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some will say, but didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many works in your name? And he's going to say what? I never knew you. Now, listen, as a preacher, 37 years, that's absolutely terrifying. To be preaching prophesying, proclaiming, casting out demons, doing all kinds of good works. And he goes, I didn't know you. We have a lot of people saying they're Christian and in Jesus' name declaring things, and yet the, the fruit of the Spirit behind it is absent. There isn't love. There isn't gentleness. There isn't self-control. It's terrifying because Jesus even identifies that. And yet in the church, at least of America, we tend to say, hey, if they've got this gift, we put them on a pedestal. And they're out there. Now, I don't know about you. I don't have the gift of tongues. 
And my younger years, I prayed for it. That's kind of what everyone was saying you should do. Didn't ever get it. However, to my benefit, my mother-in-law does. So I've had multiple conversations with her and my own experience within uh, the church as well. So there is a true gift of tongues, but there's also a false gift of tongues. How do you know? I would move to uh, Wisconsin, and I was uh, a new, the new pastor there, and I was unaware of some of the issues that had taken place there. But the, un, unlike how you have the service here where your worship team is up front, I got there. Their worship team was in the back. The worship leader just thought that was the right way to lead. I thought, oh, okay. Still trying to adjust with their culture, not trying to make any changes yet. And as I began to preach and teach, and I was dealing with spiritual warfare, and I was dealing with the issue of tongues and a false tongue, because there, there was a pause just before I got up, well, I was even just before the offering, the worship team got done, and, and one of the individuals on the worship team in the back who had a microphone said, I have a word for the Lord, and spoke this tongue. And, and immediately, the sense of heaviness in the air, it was just like, oh, something went right. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, not today. <laughs> uh, and, um, and I'm sitting there trying to listen to what the Lord is saying. What do I do? What do I do with this? I'm the pastor. I, what do I do? It, yes, there's a real gift of tongues. Is this a real gift of tongues? How do I know? She called for an interpreter. There was no interpreter. The, uh, one of my elders got up and began to continue through the service, which it was an offering time. And he completed that point, and they were, they were fixing to go to the next item. And I, and I got up in a room very similar to this size, and I said, hey, we, we, time out. We, we got to stop and talk about what happened. And I ended up doing a, a preempt, an impromptu sermon out of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And, and it, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 starts about not every spirit, but only the spirit that declared Jesus as Lord. And, and so there's a, there's a defining essence here. And I have 1 John 4 open in case you want to know this. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to refer to a verse here shortly. Because I was explaining to them the demonic spirit if behind a false gift, whether it is tongues, whether it's prophetic, whether it's discernment, it does not matter what the gift is. If it is of the Holy Spirit, it edifies, it glorifies the Father and the Son. John chapter 16, uh, when we get to the helper part, we're going to see this come out. But the Spirit of God is given to reveal and glorify the Father and the Son. And any spirit that does not edify or glorify the Father and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. So I'm giving this impromptu message on spiritual gifts, and she raises her hand, Wait, hey, Pastor, I think you're saying I have a demonic spirit. I'm like, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but it should be tested. She said, test me. I, right there in the service, like, um, okay, let's do this. <laughs> 
And uh, so she was at the back. I didn't mean to say she. The person was at the back. <laughs> and I went to the back because I had a lapel like this, like I have. And I said, look, I'm not talking to you. Here's, here's what the text in 1 John 4 says. It says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Hey, look at that. If I pull it real close, I can read it. But test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone to the world. Listen to verse 2. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So I go back. This verse is in my head. So I'm going to address the spirit behind the gift of tongues. I don't want. I, don't, I simply want you to reveal what comes to your mind. So I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Spirit behind the gift of tongues, speak the answer to this question into her mind. Do you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God who's come in the flesh? Yep, that was the answer. I said, wrong answer. Wait, 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 let me try again, try again, try again. <laughs> like, uh, all right, spirit behind the gift of tongues, speak the right answer into her mind. Spirit, do you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as a son of God who's come in the flesh? Yes. I said, still the wrong answer, sit down. What? What? She was really having, and I'm like, I'm not going to get into a deliverance session in church, so have a seat, we'll talk after church. Now, why is yes not the right answer? Does yes glorify the Father and the Son? Does it confess Jesus as the Son of God? See, we get tricked. Satan is a deceiver. He loves to weasel his way into the lives of people to bring captivity. And see, I knew this person. They lived two houses down to me. I, I saw the lifestyle that was being lived out. I saw when the comings and goings. I, I wasn't fooled, but even in that knowledge, even if I had, had knew nothing about this individual and simply asked that question, the answer was still the same. Well, I learned after the service that she had done this before, like three or four times in between pastors. They've had about nine months without a pastor. And that they had always had somebody else there who gave this interpretation. And whenever that had happened in the past, the interpreter would absolutely thrall and lash out on people. It was not edifying. It was a thrashing, a verbal thrashing. And I'm like, oh, great, that person isn't here. Because that person wasn't there. So I had an elder who was six foot eight, and I'm like, you're going to go with me to this house. <clears throat> and as he went with me to his house, because he has the gift of interpretation, he didn't want to submit to the authority there. He, it, there was a whole story there that kind of gave me red flags all over the place, like this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a confrontation. And I sat at his living room. He had already heard the story of what had happened, but I said, look, here's what happened. I understand you have the gift of interpretation. Yes, I do. Well, that made it sound like a man. <laughs> it was. Okay. And so here's, here's the essence. I want all of the Holy Spirit 
I do not want to be afraid of the enemy sneaking in. And here's what happens in evangelical churches is that we are afraid of the deceitfulness of the enemy, so we throw it all out and put up all walls, not giving permission for anything of the Spirit of God to happen at all, because that's just safe. And we miss out. And so understanding the dynamics of how do we discern, don't believe every spirit, but discern, you discern, and Jesus gave us clearly the text in this, test it. And I just simply said to him, look, I'm the pastor. If you come to church and you try to exercise your spiritual gift publicly, I have to test it publicly. Because he refused at the table. I'm like, let's test your gift right now. Nope, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that with you. And I was like, well, you need to understand. God's put me in charge of being the pastor. I oversee the the sheep here. So if you come into this church and you exercise that gift, I have to test it. I want all of the Holy Spirit to be manifested and work through it. But I refuse to let a demonic, deceiving spirit do it. So if it's not, you should have no fear of being tested. He never did test, and every Sunday I went to church fear and trembling that he'd show up. <laughs> he never came back. Here's, here's my point about spiritual gifts. And then we're, we're going to get to the important part here. Spiritual gifts are for the church to edify the church. If it's all about you, you're missing the mark, and it's probably not the Holy Spirit. The only gift that doesn't edify the church directly is the gift of tongues, which edifies the person, not the body. Now, I'm grateful for a mother-in-law who had the gift that I could dialogue with and get perspective. This is my position of how I interpret that, is because when the gift of tongues is given to a person and it's a true tongue... It is for the purpose of intercession, and the body of Christ isn't there. It's then they're alone, and they're interceding for the body of Christ. That's why I use the word direct. And because they're alone in their prayer closet, exercising that spiritual gift of tongues, the Spirit of God comes and empowers and edifies that person as they are in the presence of God, interceding on behalf of others and the church. It's really quite beautiful. It's a powerful thing. We need that gift in the church. But don't be fooled to think that somebody with that gift is somehow spiritual and divine just because you don't understand it or any other spiritual gift. Spiritual fruit is how you measure maturity. All that being said, let's take a quick jump over to John chapter 16 because Jesus in Acts chapter 1 is saying, writing out there, you will be empowered. And I want you to see this in the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's still there, right? <clears throat> Y'all doing okay? Yep. You probably would love to do a Q&A with the tongues thing. It happens frequently when I go there. I'm going to start actually in the last verse of chapter 15, Verse 26 says, but, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who precedes the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you 
also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Now, isn't that unique? Jesus is well aware what's fixing to happen. He's very aware that what happens to them externally and in this world will <laughs> challenge their faith and cause them to maybe drift and go like, oh, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if this is worth it. I can't explain it. I can't drive one even DUI. <laughs> is it worth it? Do you lose heart? It gets tough. People you love, and they used to know Jesus, and now they just drifted. They don't know. They don't go. They, it gets hard. Let's look at verse, uh, chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. So I've said these things, but I want to jump down here. Let's pick it up. Second part of verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning. Isn't that fascinating? Because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. Did, did you get that part yet? Do you know that Jesus is constantly looking out to say, what, what is advantageous to my kids? It, it is to your advantage that I go away. That's the rest of the line. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's the essence, y'all. Western Christianity, and I can only speak of Western because I haven't really spent any time in, of length around the world. Western Christianity is all about the first portion of our walk, declaring the good news of the gospel, and it's a good message. Jesus died he paid the price for your sin. If you believe in him, you can have your sins forgiven and removed. Period. A lot of churches preach that. That's not the end of the story. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts starts off with and empowering the rest of the New Testament with, hey, just wait because the Holy Spirit's going to be empowering you. It's going to be poured out upon you. And so we have a lot of confusing messages about the Holy Spirit. We have one side of the church, which is all about the spectacular and supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which... He does, and he has, and he is, and yet that's not the core of our focus. Those are happening because it's, it, it embraces and under, endorses, that's maybe the right word, it endorses the message of the gospel that I spoke of earlier. Jesus paid the price. We have faith by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. That's the message. The supernatural happens to endorse that and say, yes, that's true. Here's why. But here's the unique thing of it. We miss in the middle of that how to live out this life. 
the helper who has been given to empower us. So that when I am weak, he's strong. I want to come back to the 16th chapter. Let's look at verse 8 because there's three things the Holy Spirit's been sent to do. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And he will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. That's what the Helper does. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority. He will, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Remember what I said about testing the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can only glorify the Father and the Son. He will never speak on his own accord. He will only reflect the Father and the Son. He doesn't add to it. I could go on and on about the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hear what he's is wanting me to do, and I think this is what I'm. There's a lot. I've just dumped a lot. We've heard a lot. There's a lot that's happened this morning. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. That, that conversation, <clears throat> it's it, it's going to go a couple of different ways. Maybe you maybe you've just been unaware that the helper has been given. Maybe you were... If that's the way it is, then simply say, Lord Jesus, I confess, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit to help me live life and empower me. And then ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Ask how much the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It's an asking, Holy Spirit... I ask that you come, empower me. Here's the part of the Holy Spirit's work within us. In fact, it says this in Galatians chapter 5, and that's this, those who crucify self. The death of self, the more we can die to our way, our will, our agenda, the more we will have the fullness of the Holy Spirit empowering us. It's so critical to understand that. There's the silly little saying, silly little saying, Jesus take the wheel. Well, it, it has some realness to it, and that is, is that you both can't drive. And so this morning, it's, it's a prayer of surrender. You've got to decide, do you want to drive or do you want the Holy Spirit to drive? Understand, the Holy Spirit is the fullness of God. He has all of the form, all of the deity, all of the... He is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he is. He isn't a byproduct or this past peace. He is God. And so surrendering to Him changes things. 
if you struggle with, say, forgiving, if you struggle with being patient, you die to that. How do you die? You say, Holy Spirit, put it to death. I need you in me so that I can do what is right. Whatever hurt, habit, hang up, victory, whatever decision, you bring the Holy Spirit into it. And then, and this is how I'll close, as the seven churches in the book of Revelation, for those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let them hear. To you be all glory. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.